my name is Laura Miller. Welcome to Conversations Over LGBT. I go by she, they pronouns, and I am joined today by a very special guest. Uh, can you introduce yourself for us today? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Dr. Alina Rose, everyone. Um, I use she, her pronouns, um, and I'm excited to be here today. Yay! Oh, uh, did you bring tea to this recording today? I sure did. Doing a little something different today because I'm running low on honey. Um, so this brand is Good Earth. Oh. Yeah, and they've got a sweet and spicy brand uh, or like flavor within their brand. And they add, I believe it's mango, like actual mango fruit to the bags and it sweetens the tea naturally without you needing to add any honey. So it's like a really, really great one for travel um, where you're, you know, on a, you know, a plane or an airport or something and, you know, honey is slim pickings or it would be really inconvenient on the plane. I love that. Today I'm actually drinking a honey, honey bush peach from Lunarium actually. Lunarium? Oh yes. I love Lunarium. Mm Uh, I got this last night and reheated it today because it was like 10 p.m. when I got it. <laughs> so it was like, I love tea. I love their tea, but I want to go to bed. Yeah, I love how Lunarium's kind of open late. It's very like cozy and romantic. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, definitely. I love Lunarium. But on today's topic, what got you into the community here in well, yes, Spokane? Yeah. Um, so I moved here about, I think it's like over two and a half years ago now. Um, I think it's like three years in August. So, um, when I first got here, I started looking up, you know, stores with like alternative fashion. Cause I figured that's kind of where people would be buying clothes, uh, within the community, you know, pride gear, things like that. Um, and of course, one of the top stores that popped up was Atomic Threads. So um, I went there and introduced myself to um, Mike and Tina and kind of asked about what they do, what kind of clothes they order, you know, doing any special orders, things like that. Um, And then they told me about some of their upcoming events. And I was like, ooh, really now? This is cool. I need to make time for this. Um, So, yeah, I went to my first show and... Uh, when I saw people performing, I would go up after the show and try to talk to them or on the break and try to talk to them and introduce myself and really put myself out there do that really uncomfortable thing to make those connections. So that was kind of how I got started in the community. Yeah. Here. Yeah, definitely. Finding your community in everything is really important, I think, because it's mm-hmm. building connections and finding people who you know won't make you feel uncomfortable. Exactly. And as we know, um, Mike and Tina at Atomic Threads and um, all the different kind of offshoots that they do for shows, uh, they are definitely a hub of the community. Exactly. I think in general, in Spokane, they mm-hmm. are one of the biggest like supporters and a huge heart and soul in this community. And I love watching it grow and get bigger because honestly, during my journey in the community, in the past two years, due to like everything and like COVID and just how chaotic everything has been. Without Tina, I would not be who I am today. And I know that yeah. it sounds silly going, yes, without them, this wouldn't have happened. Cause that's what everyone says. Oh yeah. But it's true. Without my family and without Tina, I wouldn't be doing what I am now. 
Oh, I love that. And that's the space that I got to meet you too. Yeah. yeah. It was actually, I was actually, I was really nervous to meet you the first time. Because, <laughs> Why is that? Uh, I'm very socially awkward. I just, ah. I don't know how to approach people. But through Atomic Threads, through what I'm doing there, what I'm doing here with this podcast, I'm getting better at it and I'm making connections and building my own little safety net of a community. I'm making strides to, to help people and make sure they have a safety net while building my own. And I'm glad I got the chance to do that because it expands my, my view and horizon and to see everything that is possible with my life. Yeah, you're definitely, I mean, for someone that feels socially awkward, you're definitely um, a powerhouse of entrepreneurial spirit. I'm really excited to see where you go with that. And I think like mm -hmm. a lot of your listeners are probably like you and like identify as socially awkward mm -hmm. and you're, all the things you're doing for the community, all the things you're starting up and trying to do mm -hmm. um, and you're choice to be brave and talk to people anyway, I think mm -hmm. is going to really inspire a lot of people. Yeah. Through your work and everything you've observed, what do you see could be improved on and uh, for mental health of people in the community? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing right now is kind of like a mixture of representation and um, human rights. Mm -hmm. uh, and within human rights, I think that, you know, it's been clear to all of us within community that, you know, the people who have opposed human rights for the literal humans that are trans and gay and et cetera within the community, um, they're being dehumanized mm -hmm. in politics, in the world, and even where they are going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the biggest thing right now is lifting up voices having representation and getting more of us into politics, more of us into programs, more of us into nonprofits mm -hmm. and really getting our hands dirty, doing the work, speaking up, having those really uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. um, as long as we feel safe, of course. Yes. Uh, I think that's really where we need to be right now mm -hmm. um, because that's exactly what they don't want us to do. Um, there's this kind of us versus them mentality when it really needs to be just like shared humanity. Mm -hmm. um, so continuing to kind of move forward and speak and be human and have those conversations, I think is really important. Like, I believe that if you take any two people, no matter how different or how opposing their beliefs or identities and stick them in like a broken down elevator for 12 hours, they're going to come out as friends. So I think those one-on-one -on -one conversations and telling our stories, which mm -hmm. you know is super important, um, is also the the part of the process that's going to hum humanize people yeah. and allow these laws to change. I definitely agree. One thing that I was, I'm actually glad that I'm seeing is a push for more representation in kid shows, which oh, yeah. some people say doing that's like indoctrinating children, which... In my opinion, it's not because it, it, it isn't. It's just normalizing something that is normal. It's making it known. For example, there are two TV shows that I'm really glad came out in the past 10 years. Well, more like five, but I'm giving it a broader spectrum so it's easier. Yeah. Um, uh, Netflix's She-Ra, mm. because that had so much representation and it was obvious from the beginning and it got people excited because it's like, I can see myself there. 
Yeah. And same with the kids show from Disney, Owl House. Mm, and it's, it's actually really good. One of the, the main character is um, bisexual and it was confirmed. It was canon. And nice. then you have her girlfriend, Amity, who is canon lesbian. Mm-hmm. And then you have non-binary characters and there's no grand coming out moment for almost everything. It's just mm-hmm. these are people. This is who they are. And it's really nice to see. It's just not a putting it on a pedestal saying, look, this is what we did. We may, we did, we did this. It yeah. was a, this is a human who right. deserves respect and love. And just like anyone else who fits into the quote unquote binary of life, mm-hmm. because as long as they're happy and healthy, who cares? Yeah. It's a sense of, just as long as someone is happy, who cares if they're not what you consider the normal? Because that's so sad to say that people have a considered normal. Right. And and if someone is molding their identity and their lives to fit that mold and it's making them unhappy and unhealthy, why would you wish that upon someone? Exactly. Why would you want that for our world? We want happy, mentally and physically healthy as much as possible people mm-hmm. to run the world, to make change, to, you know, teach children, whatever it is. Like we need those people and not people that are sick and hurting um, mm-hmm. because they're fit a square peg into a round hole. Um, and, you know, there's just so much gender and sexual diversity out there like you know we know that when children are born there's not just only two parts that they come out with Mm -hmm. uh there's a variety of intersex um kind of mixtures of different things that happen different sizes shapes colors all kinds of things so sex can be so varied Mm -hmm. why would there be any different there has been gender diversity all the way back in time, as far as you can go. Mm-hmm. There's indigenous people, um, two-spirit people that, you know, have been around forever and are viewed as the, the special, unique um, identities that they bring. And there's even some belief in certain cultures that there's kind of like a special power or shamanism with that, mm-hmm. you know, and... we're just trying to get people here to just acknowledge that they exist and have always existed and are also human too. (laughs) Let's maybe start there. Yeah. It's Uh, like, yeah. If people were willing to look outside their own little circle Mm -hmm. and see the world and just acknowledge that where they are is not the center of the universe. (laughs) Yes. And that there's a vast majority of just like amazing stories and viewpoints that all are valid and important. Yeah. Yeah. And it tends to be that, you know, the places that have the least amount of diversity is where you see the highest levels of bias and discrimination. That's like, hmm, you know, maybe, you know, if there were more, was more diversity, we would realize that they're human too. But it's when you you know, look at the world through your own particular lens and everyone around you has that same exact lens Mm -hmm. that anything different becomes scary. But when you grow in communities with diversity and representation of all kinds of people, uh, there's so much less fear. Exactly. I mean, for instance, this is kind of the viewpoint my family taught me growing up for the past forever. Mm -hmm. 
it was always respect someone. Doesn't matter. I mean, yes, there is a thing called colorblind racism, yeah. which, which is you still you say you don't see it, which eliminates everything, eliminates their experiences. And totally. my family was always acknowledge it, but don't mm -hmm. act upon what society is doing. Make sure right. you're respectful and kind and acknowledge yes. they had different experiences. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge they are discriminated against because that's our world right now. But try right. to not be part of the problem. I love that. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and, you know, like talking back more like within community um, and the concerns for mental health, you mm -hmm. know, you have um, intersecting mm -hmm. identities as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got people of color that have been discriminated against for hundreds of years hundreds of years in the united states and in other countries where colorism exists mm -hmm. um, and then you also have those intersecting identities of being within community lgbtq plus um, and other communities like the disability community mm -hmm. um, and they're experiencing such a strong level of minority stress Mm -hmm. Minority stress is when, you know, the, the person themselves within an unsupportive community system and environment um, begin, begins to experience mental or physical illness as a result of an unsupportive, toxic, you know, um, discriminatory environment. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big thing to me. And part of why I started, you know, my business Transform LLC um, is because I really don't see TGNB people, transgender, non-binary people, or two-spirit people mm -hmm. as being, um, you know, disordered in and of themselves just mm -hmm. because they're, they're transness. Mm -hmm. It is, that's not the case. They're, they, the things that they're experiencing, the mental health issues that they're experiencing, yes, there can be some, you know, mental health issues separate from this, but primarily it's a result of this minority stress as mm -hmm. a result of these unsupportive systems that have been mm -hmm. around for so long and are, are seeming to get worse, honestly. Yes. Yeah. And then intersecting that with people of color, disabilities, et cetera, et cetera. It just builds and builds and builds. And they're going to mental health people and, and you know, people within the mental health community are, you know, educating themselves on this for the most part, are doing such great work. Um, and I wanted to start this, um, you know, life and style coaching business for the trans community because I'm seeing their rights being stripped away and them being most targeted because they're most visible. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm like, you know, this journey that's supposed to be this beautiful freaking thing, this beautiful thing of moving towards authenticity and trueness of self. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to come with losing your family, losing your friends, losing your community and being actively discriminated against? Like, why does that have to be the, the case? Yes. Right. And then in addition to that, you know, mental health providers do wonderful work, um, but they also can't sit there with you and go through your closet and help you pick out, you know, a, a, a gender affirming outfit mm -hmm. that you are going to be um, the happiest, most comfortable in. Yeah, gender euphoric and right. And so that's kind of why I wanted to start this business so that we can help both with that internal and external mm -hmm. uh, 
congruence and expression of authenticity. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think personally, just the idea of helping someone, you don't yeah. know the, the impact of just being that kind and making them smile. You don't know yeah. the impact, the true amazing impact you'll bring. In my opinion, doing everything you can, the, being the kindest person, supportive and loving. Mm. It's like planting seeds in a garden. Some, and then you'll have to go away, but you set up a system to keep the garden healthy. Yes. It's seeds in a garden you'll never see from Hamilton. But in my opinion, that's kind of how it is. You don't see how deep your, your words helped. You don't see the roots growing, making the plant stronger. You don't know how bad their day was. Mm. You don't know where they were mentally. And those kind words, that reassuring smile, all those things can make their day and sometimes make them pa live past tomorrow. Yeah, like expand their life expectancy, literally. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you may go along and, and plant a seed and you know, you just kind of keep walking, hoping that that did something right. And then mm -hmm. I may come along and provide some water mm -hmm. and I know that there's seeds there and someone else may come along and be that sunshine in their lives. And, you know, together we're kind of helping each other within the community, within the mm -hmm. world to, to grow all these different beautiful um, ways. And then we get to see like what kind of plant what kind of flower do I end up being mm -hmm. but it's also a patience process yes everything in life no matter how much you want it to be a speed race and just have it done you can't sprint mm. you can't expect a flower to you planted yesterday to be an amazing rose bush tomorrow yes you, exactly. you have yeah. to be patient and give the love and care you need and make sure that you get down and pull the weeds, make sure everything is healthy and safe and you're protecting yourself. Yes. Yeah. I'm like really big on, you know, when I'm like doing my coaching or when I'm doing my practice as a, as a mental health provider, whichever, um, you know, I'll say something that is complimentary or just like reflect like, wow, I just saw your power. And oftentimes I'll see this moment of like, there's like a touch of joy and then like, it's like we just kind of masked it or numbed it and just pushed it away. And I'm like, what just happened there? I saw something touch you for a second and push it away. Right. And so what's happening is people are coming along into their lives and wanting to plant seeds and wanting to pour water and wanting to be that light. And they're not letting it sink into their soil. Mm -hmm. right? Like it's really got to start with you. Mm -hmm. And I do a little dance with it, like a little shimmy. I'm like, let it sink into your soil. Let it sink in. Like when someone gives you a compliment, when someone, you know, affirms your gender for you or, you know, um, says your outfit is awesome or loves your personality and your glow, wherever it is. And you're like, why is my garden such a mess of weeds? And, you know, my plant's not going great. Yes, there's systemic issues, but there's also like, hmm, have we let that seed sink in? Mm -hmm. Have we let that water be absorbed into our soil or are we rejecting it? 
Are we working on our relationship with ourselves? Are we using kind words um, in self-compassion? Mm-hmm. Not even self-love. Like maybe we'll get there, sure, uh, one day self-love. But like, are we even starting with self-compassion? Or are we even treating ourselves as we would a stranger in the grocery line? Can we even just start there and, and treat ourselves like we are human, talk to ourselves like we are human with the love and compassion we would have for anyone else? Mm-hmm. How we treat ourselves then becomes a model for how others should treat us and really allows all the work of our community, all the seed planting, all the, the hands on to help weed out the toxicity, you know, it really allows that to actually freaking work. Mm-hmm. I yeah. And I think a way people might be able to visualize this is when you're in a community like the LGBTQIA plus community, you have the ability to look at other people's gardens and say, oh, that's where I want to go. And you get to see how they got there. You get to talk to people. You find people, you find mentors essentially in yeah. the community. And they're like, my steps will never be like yours. We all live different lives. We all have different struggles. No one story is the same. But this is how I got here. It took years. It took struggle. It it took heartbreak and stress. But with the support of my own community that I built and through time and patience and finding what makes me happy, I created this amazing garden. Mm. I was my authentic self and I am happier now than I have ever been. And that's where the community is. It's that's how you find that it is an amazing garden that is so colorful and happy and vibrant. And you have baby seeds who are just starting to grow and you have full blown like sunflowers and rose bushes and everything mm-hmm. willing to help provide shade when it's necessary. Ooh, yeah. It's like willing to be that support. I mean, for instance, in one of my actual gardens, um, I have my herb garden and it's just, it's seasonal because that's how it goes. But this one plant that I never expected to come back unless I planted it again popped up this spring. And I think just the support system of all the roots and how that one plant is designed, it came back by itself. And now it's giving support to the rest of my plants I planted this year. So cool. It's just kind of how I see the world, just giving support. And sometimes that doing that, it's lending some tools to make it easier for you when you work on your own. Yeah, we see so much wisdom reflected for us within nature. Um, I loved what you said about kind of looking at someone else's garden and being like, oh, like we even do that just like walking around the neighborhood, like look at those rose bushes, like gosh, wouldn't it be nice, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's like, that's happening within the community, that representation and also like Kind of that, like, hey, I was walking similar steps. Let me, you know, stand beside you or hold your hand or walk in front of you or behind you, whatever, you know, position that person needs them to be in to be like, you know, this is what this next stage of the journey looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our uh, coaches, um, we call them transformation guides uh, within the community is um, Bridget Adams' daughter, and she lives in Portland. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did a wonderful job interviewing 10 or more people within the community to get a sense for kind of a common theme, common steps and barriers and process 
within the gender transition or non-binary identity, whatever that looks like, kind of what are the things, some of the stuff we've even been talking about today or some of the things that um, Bridget and the people she interviewed identified and maybe like created a document from that so that as, as transition guides, we can kind of know, okay, this is kind of what process it could look like. Of course, obviously that's going to vary drastically for each person, mm-hmm. mom, but here are some kind of just pieces of wisdom that come from actual people within the community and what they've experienced so that we can then normalize, mm-hmm. we can connect them to what that next step or the next barrier to overcome would be. Um, so like we can take stories and use them as wisdom and power for other people and actually take people that have gone through that process that have come out and like, yeah, I'm a proud trans woman, right? Mm-hmm. Have them then pair up with someone that is maybe new in their journey and come alongside and be like, here's my garden. Here's mm-hmm. how I water it. You know, this is the kinds of seeds that really, you know, sunk in for me. This is the way I treat myself. This is how I pick weeds. Like it's just such a beautiful thing. And I wanted to make that a lot more available, especially within the Pacific Northwest, but you know, really anywhere in the world is can access these services too. Mm -hmm. I think just the self care and all of that, and it is a hard process to learn. I deserve that. Mm -hmm. I deserve to love myself and be happy. And a lot of people don't sometimes want to acknowledge that. And because it is a process, it is a journey to find who you are, because not everyone has supportive parents or friends, and they have to find new communities to to realize, oh, this this isn't just a weird thing. It's normal, Mm -hmm. and it's okay. But sometimes you have to get out of those really awful situations and find that self-love. You can't water a garden with dirty, stagnant water. Oh, yeah. It has, you wouldn't want that for anyone. It's not good. Mm-hmm. You have to use healthy, clean, running, moving water. You have to be willing to change. Yeah. If you want to move forward, you have to acknowledge things will change. And that is terrifying to say. Yeah. I mean, I am going to a college for a master's degree. And that is a terrifying mm-hmm. leap I'm taking. And that is change. But moving forward for what I want, just not staying where I am now is important. And that's to be said for everyone. Everyone deserves that chance to continue and move forward with their life. Right. And like when you say that, everyone, everyone deserves that. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we think that they deserve that and they deserve that and they deserve that, but for some reason, everyone in the world deserves growth and to, to find their most advanced self, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Everyone else deserves that but me. It's like, mm, the math isn't really adding up, right? Exactly. Like you at some point pause and realize, actually, that's me too. Mm-hmm. I'm human and I deserve that too. Um, and part of how we show ourselves that we deserve that, kind of like what I hear you doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can't be all talk and no walk. Right. If we were in a romantic relationship and our partner is like, oh, I'm going to do this for you and that for you. And then when that day comes, they don't do any of that. We're going to call BS. Right. Mm-hmm. We have to do that with ourselves, too. Like if you tell yourself, you know, I am worthy, I am smart, all these things. But then the opportunity to even apply to this master's program comes up and you decline it because you don't think you're worthy. You're, you're doing the all talk and no walk. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got to not just tell yourself these positive things. 
or even just these, like I said, like a stranger things, like just basic common humanity things, um, but also doing the action that goes with that. Sometimes that's actually where you can start to, if you're really stuck on treating yourself like you're worthy, um, maybe as a result of things that people outside of the community have told you um, that you have internalized, part of how you can also break that is to behaviorally treat yourself like you're worthy. So you don't have to actually think it or feel it, but do the thing. And Mm -hmm. as you start treating yourself like you're worthy, even if you don't think it or feel it, as you start treating yourself that way, then you start to feel Mm -hmm. like it. So you going to this master's program, the act of you doing that is giving yourself this spoken or unspoken powerful message Mm -hmm. that you were worth investing in that. Exactly. And finding the strength to acknowledge, I did this. I am worthy of going forward. I don't have to just sit and just watch the world go by. I'm allowed to be myself and happy. So I think one of the most important lessons someone can take away from living, just you can step up, even if it's just making yourself your favorite dinner, acknowledging those small moments of this is what I want to do. I think that's important. Just small steps. Eventually, those small steps, it's it's like learning to walk. Those small steps, you'll be running and then you'll be at the finish line and you wouldn't you didn't even realize you were going. Oh, I love that. Yes. Snaps to that metaphor. So great. Yes. Yes. I think that's how every journey is. Taking those small steps finding the small things that make you happy. If it's a haircut, if it's dyeing your hair, Mm -hmm. learning how to put on concealer or eyeshadow (laughs) lipstick, finding out like, I prefer this type of clothing to this one. And just buying or making those small changes that may not seem important to everyone else, but make you happy. And finding them and taking those steps And then one day you'll look back and say, I am so happy I did that for myself. Mm -hmm. That one thing made me the happiest person on on this planet for that moment because you were you. Yes, you made a choice like for yourself. That is so empowering. Mm -hmm. You know, people might see the hair color and be like, oh, you know, that's nothing. It's topical. It's you know, um, you know, what is that called? Like vein or kind of on the surface. And it's like, no, like I said, there are spoken and unspoken messages that we Mm -hmm. send. And we, when we take ourselves to get that haircut or to buy that, you know, gender affirming outfit, whatever it is, that is a message internally to the self that you are worthy. You deserve, and you are beautiful. It's more than just what it looks like on the surface. So much more. In the end, it's how you feel about yourself. And some, and there will always be days on this journey that it's difficult and you don't know why. But hold out for those days that you look at yourself and smile and say, yes, I am me and I'm happy with where I am. I will gladly go forward and try to become better and Mm -hmm. find myself bigger and better opportunities to feel myself. Like I want to become more authentic, but always look out for those days when you're still on your journey. And I'm happy where I am because I'm finding that path and Mm -hmm. I'm climbing that mountain that looks so difficult to climb, 
it's always at when you're at the bottom, it looks impossible. Yeah. But when you're at the middle and you look down and realize how far you've come, that's the moment you're like, oh, I'm doing it. Yeah. I've made it this far. And that is amazing to see. It's like yeah. everything is just so much better when you're closer to who you feel like you should be. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can be really daunting looking yes. at the top of the mountain when you're starting your climb. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of like why we're talking about the importance of those small steps. Like as you're mm -hmm. looking for folks within the community to emulate, to use as um, representation for you, don't just look at the before and after with 10, 20 years in between. Mm -hmm. Look at people that are a year into their transition, six months into their transition. You know, that's the equivalent of when you're climbing the mountain, you know, you're not going to climb very safe, safely if you're staring at the top the whole mm -hmm. time. To climb safely, to stay motivated, you really just look at the next couple hundred, maybe, you know, even 10 feet ahead of you, mm -hmm. do that and then pull forward and do that again and again and again. Representation isn't just about who's in the movies and the shows, no. although that's awesome and we yes. know that, um, but also looking at people that are earlier in on their journey um, so that you're, you're, you know, not getting deep into compare and despair and feeling like you'll never reach the top because it's not safe to be just staring at that the whole time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. When you're looking at the top, you get dizzy, you get terrified. It's the mm -hmm. vertigo of constantly looking up. But when you look just in front of you, you see people who are ahead of you and realize you're not alone on that journey. You look down and there are people behind you looking at you. Yeah. Because wherever you are, sometimes you are that one person someone looks to and says, that's who I want to be. So true. We forget that as you, as you make steps in your journey, you then are someone for someone else to look at too. We, mm -hmm. we not only are advertising to others how they should treat us, but we're also advertising to others um, what this next step in the journey looks like and inspiring them. Like we all probably have no idea just how much we've inspired people within the community just by mm -hmm. being ourselves. Exactly. <sighs> very, very, very true. You'll never truly know the impact of who you are as a person on the world. A smile yeah. can can make someone's day so much better. Absolutely. I, I honestly think that's a great message to leave off on. And thank yeah. you once again for joining me today. And I'm really glad you could join us. Oh, it was an honor, a pleasure. Um, I'm just really passionate about being a support for the LGBT plus community, the TGNB community and beyond. Uh, and helping our allies do the same. Um, this is really important work you're doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for what you're doing for the community um, and the inspiration, as we are talking about the inspiration that you provide to the people around you. Thank you so much. This has been Conversations Over LGBT. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here. I hope you all have a lovely day. <laughs>